0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. That's about four-fifths through your Bible. And while you're tuning in there, uh, finding your spot, I want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are guests uh, wherever you find yourself. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Also to the Gateway family, uh, I hope you're doing well. We miss you. We love seeing your radiant faces, uh, but we hope that you're doing well. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, we have been thinking and praying, Lord, where are you leading us as a church? Uh, Because the one thing that we know is that God is always on the move. He's always moving. And in the last couple of weeks as we've been praying, we've been constantly drawn to a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul says these words. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time. And so this is the time that has been given to us as a church. It might not be the time that we like, uh, no one is enjoying uh, this pandemic that we are all experiencing, and yet God has strategically placed every single one of us where we are, when we are for such a time as this and so the question that we've been asking ourselves is how do we make the best use of the time knowing that God is shaking our foundations the foundations of our lives the foundations of our families of our society and even our world but what does God want us to do in the midst of that so how do we leverage the time so this is where we're going. For the sake of our guests, this past week we asked ourselves this question: How can we be a follower of Jesus? Not just do you believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, as important as that is. The question wasn't, "Are you a Christian?" The question is, "Were are you a Talmid?" That's the Hebrew word for follower. The Hebrew word for disciple. Are you a disciple of Jesus? And and if you are, then if you want to be devoted to Jesus and follow him on the road, then you need to be devoted to his word you need to live it to breathe it to read it to memorize it and when you get cut you need to bleed the word of god that's where we were last week and this week we are going to ask a fundamental question and it is this how should we pray during a time like this when the world feels flipped upside down because you know what sooner or later everyone prays it's been said when all hell breaks loose there are no atheists. In those moments where we might even say, I don't even know if God exists, but, but I'm, I'm so desperate. We, we call out for help because we need that help and we say, God, help me in this situation. Guide my path. Help me with what I am experiencing and what I'm going through. And in this text, we're going to learn that Jesus says every single time that we ask we're going to receive. Every time we seek, we will find. Every time we knock, the door is going to be open to us. And and we know that as Christians, we know that's true. And yet the school of hard knocks has taught us that oftentimes we call out to God, we pray and it feels like he's not there. It feels like no one's listening. No one's paying attention on the other side of the line. And in those moments, we begin to wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? What are you up to? And it's in that place that Jesus meets us in the passage that we are reading this morning in Luke chapter 11. Perhaps at times you've even thought a similar way to C.S. Lewis when he says this, how many of us have pounded on God's door until our knuckles were raw and bleeding and It most certainly was not open to us. Indeed, all we seem to hear is the sound of the door being bolted and double bolted on the other side. Have you been there? Have you been in that place where you say, God, where are you? Why don't you hear me? I, I never thought that this would happen in my life. I never thought I'd, I'd experience this. And there in that place, God is causing us to go and to ask those very difficult questions. In fact, that's the context of this letter or of uh, this passage that we're going to read a disciple of jesus asked this question lord would you teach us to pray would you teach us to pray how ought we communicate to our god and father above and then jesus shares this story he gives us four verses very short verses but they pack a powerful punch here's what he says starting at verse one one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That's John the Baptist. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation so here's what i want to propose to you this morning if you are a part of the gateway family i want to challenge you as your pastor to make six resolutions starting today and moving forward six covid 19 quarantine pandemic resolutions saying i'm going to choose to do these six things today and moving forward And all of them are guided by what we just heard, the very words of Jesus on how we ought to be praying. And if you're not part of the Gateway family, I want to encourage you to do this too. But especially for those of us who are a part of this unique church family, the the lowercase c church here at Gateway, I want to challenge you, to encourage you to put on these things. So uh, you have your sermon guide. And maybe this is a time in which you take that guide after you fill it out, you put it in your Bible, or you put it on your fridge, or you put it in a prominent place, and you remind yourself, I am going to commit to these resolutions every day moving forward. Here's the first one. I put it this way I will spend time daily with my Father. I will spend time daily with my Father. Verse 2 starts off that way. Uh, Jesus says, When you pray, say, What's the word? What's the word? I can't hear you because you're not here, but maybe you're saying it out loud. It, of course, says father, right? He starts off with this word father. And it's so striking to me every single time I hear that word that Jesus has the audacity to say that the way that we communicate with the Lord and creator of the universe is we use an Aramaic term. It's Abba. Uh, If you think about Hebrew children, as they were uh, raising up in the faith, as they were uh, getting older and and learning their language, the very first word typically that would come out of their mouth was the word Abba, which, which means dad, or daddy in the same way that our kids typically the first word that comes out of their mouth might be mama or papa or dad or daddy in the same way most hebrew children their very first word out of their mouth is abba and yet jesus says that's the word that we should use when we talk to our lord and god and father above all and through all and in all we call him abba father And maybe, just maybe, uh, that doesn't sit well with you. Say, like, I I don't know if I'm comfortable calling the Lord of the universe Abba. Well, your argument isn't with me. It's, It's with Jesus. It's with the Apostle Paul. It's with Scripture. And yet what we see, for those of us who are children of God, then this has become available to us This is how we speak with our Heavenly Father. You are God's child. Listen, the most important thing that you can do during this time is to spend time with your Heavenly Father. I shared this with you last week. God, the one thing that he longs for more than anything else is, are you ready for it? You. You. He's not as interested in your gifts He's not as interested in your contributions. He's not as interested in the things that you can do. You see, the reason why God made you before the dawn of time, before the earth was in motion and created, before the sun and the moon and the stars and the universe, the reason why God created you before the dawn of time is because he was interested in you, because he loved you as his child. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. That, that's what he longs for. And, and I shared with you last week that I think, if I'm just being honest with myself, sometimes I treat God as though he's a genie in the bottle, right? I, I ask him for things, but I'm not as interested in my relationship with God. I'm more interested in the benefits of being connected to God. And yet God says to me, Justin, I'm not going to treat you the way that you use me. I'm not going to use you the way that you use me. What I long for more than anything is a relationship with you. And I find that so amazing. About a month ago, uh, the Pope of the Catholic Church, he came out and he made a a rather unprecedented statement when many Catholics were wondering, in the midst of COVID-19, how do we make confession to God when we can't go to a priest? And the Pope said this. He said, if you can't go to confession take your sorrow directly to God now for those of us who are Protestants we say well what's unprecedented about that well this is truly unprecedented in the Catholic church in a system that believes you need to have what they call an intercessor you need a priest someone who stands in the gap who communicates to God on behalf of God's people and to God's people on behalf of God and if you have confession you go to the priest the priest presents it to God and then the rights and privileges are extended back to you and yet the the popes says you have direct access to god and that is truly truly amazing he says the landline is open cut out the middleman and as amazing as it is to hear that coming out of the pope's mouth i wonder maybe just maybe that's a message we need to be reminded of too that you have direct access to god that you could talk to him right now there is no call waiting. <laughs> there, there is no one hour wait. There is no thank you for calling. Please be patient. We are experiencing a higher call volume than we normally are. Your call is important to us. And then you're waiting on the line for 60 minutes or 90 minutes. It seems like no matter who I'm calling lately, I'm, putting on, I'm put on call waiting. And yet with God, there's a direct access to him. I can talk to him right now. God the Father is saying, I want to talk to you. And so, go to him. Go to him. You see, even Jesus, who, let's all agree, if if there was one person on the planet who could, let's just say, get away with not praying to his heavenly father and still be filled with the Spirit's power, it was Jesus. And yet the pattern of his life is that he was constantly secluding himself, finding a secluded place, and that he was going to pray with his heavenly father. In fact, that's the context of the story. In the book of Luke alone, there are dozens of instances in which Jesus retreats from the crowd, retreats from the disciples. The disciples say, where'd Jesus go? Oh, he went off to pray again. And so a disciple comes up to Jesus and he says, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus gives this story. He teaches them how to pray. Scripture repeatedly highlights to us this call to make prayer a central component of our life, the most important thing that we do. Let me just share a couple passages of scripture with you. Colossians chapter four says this, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. First Chronicles 16 says this, look to the Lord and to his strength, seek his face when? Always. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, pray in the spirit when? On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Philippians chapter 4 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God James chapter 5 verse 13 is anyone among you in trouble? pray to God (laughs) is anyone happy? pray to God and let us sing praises to him 1 Thessalonians 5 it says pray without ceasing you see constantly in scripture this call this anthem for us to constantly be praying I've shared this with you before, that the call of God is that we ought to pray when we're alone. We ought to pray when we're together. We ought to pray when we're at church. We ought to pray when there's a pandemic and you can't go to church. We ought to pray in the morning and pray in the evening. Pray when we eat. Pray in between mealtimes. Pray when you rise. Pray when you go to bed. Pray when you feel sick and weary. Pray when you're on cloud nine. Pray when you're up. Pray when you're down. Pray when you're busy. Pray when you're bored. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it and especially pray when you don't feel like it the call of God is to pray to him and when there's so much uncertainty during this time this is what we know your heavenly father desires to be with you you have direct access to him and his call in your life is come to me come to me And so that's the first resolution I want to challenge you to make is that each and every day you will go to your Heavenly Father. Here's the second one. I will seek God's glory and God's agenda above all things. This is the very first thing that Jesus tells us to do. Before anything else Is to ask that God would cause his name To be hallowed What does that mean? That his name would be declared holy It would be sanctified It would be set apart And that all people would say You are God You are holy You are on your throne That all people would come to know God For who he truly is That's what it means To hallow God's name Now just think about this Before everything else, Jesus says the most, uh, biggest concern of our life ought to be this. That his name would be the number one priority, not only in my life, but in the life of my neighbors. In the life of my community. And in the lives of everyone around the globe. And now get this. How does that happen? For us to say, hallowed be your name, is essentially for us to say, Lord, use whatever means necessary in order for God's people to be drawn to himself so that your greatness and your power and your supremacy and your trustworthiness and your glory is revealed to all people. Use whatever method's necessary in order for that to be the case. And this is just amazing to me. I I think, for instance, of uh, a story that I've heard numerous times in China in which for those of us who are in the West and we experience religious liberty, religious freedom, we can pray and worship in freedom, and freedom and this is something we ought to be grateful for. Uh, we, we look off to China and we see the persecution that they experience and our prayer is, is oftentimes, Lord, please bring an end to their persecution. And yet, if you talk to a Chinese Christian, they'll oftentimes say this, they'll say, don't pray that prayer. See, the prayer of God's people isn't always, Lord, cause the circumstance to change. The prayer of God's people is use whatever means necessary so that all people would be drawn to yourself. And so if it's going to result in greater persecution that people would be brought to their knees, make it so, Lord, Lord, or if it's going to be brought about by relative peace and prosperity and harmony and all those things, which, by the way, is something that I think all of us want, then make it so. But it has less to do with the circumstances. It has more to do with whatever methods you need to use, Lord, for your name to be glorified. Make it so in my life. That's the prayer of God's people. And I think of what John Piper says. He says this, Lord, Use whatever methods necessary in order to cause your word to be believed, to cause your displeasure with sin to be feared, to cause your commandments to be obeyed, and to cause yourself to be glorified in every sphere of life, in every place in this world. Now imagine, Gateway family, if we all started praying this way every day moving forward. Lord, glorify your name hallowed be your name. I want to seek your glory and your agenda over and above everything else in my life. That ought to be the habit of our hearts. That ought to be the habit of our hearts every single time we pray. Jesus says that our first and foremost desire should be that God's name would be glorified in all the earth. And so we say, our Father, hallowed be your name. There's humility there. It's a willingness to set aside our own priorities, our own will for our own life, our own agenda, and to put on God's agenda. So that's the second one. Here's here's the third one that I want to challenge all of us to pray for every day. I will pray for my community to be more like heaven. And that's the end of verse two, where it says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Or in Matthew's gospel, it's a little more full where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now that our eyes are fixed toward heaven, Now that our eyes are fixed towards God's agenda and God's plan and his purpose for this world, we say, Lord, in the same way that your glory is undisputed in heaven, where there is no sickness or dying or pain or death, we ask that you would bring heaven down. And you gotta think about the disciples for a second. When they go up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, could you teach us to pray? He starts off, he says, we'll start off by saying this, Father, hallowed be your name. They must be thinking to themselves, okay, that makes perfect sense. And then he moves on to the next thing and he says, also pray, Father, your kingdom come. Have your kingdom in the way that is in heaven be brought down to earth. And at that point, they're probably thinking to themselves, how can that be? How can that possibly be that earth would be like Heaven. And yet what I find so remarkable is you have to remember once again, who's talking to them? Who's sharing this prayer? It's, it's Jesus, right? And, and even though they don't yet have the eyes to see that Jesus, God in the flesh, is the one who came from heaven to earth in order to make this reality possible. I love the way that we read this in the Message Bible from eugene peterson he puts it this way the word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood i love that the only way for our community to be healed like heaven is if heaven comes down so here stands jesus the one who makes this prayer possible in the first place he's standing right in front of them and he says i will make it possible let me just give you a more modern example of how God has done this over the course of the last 150 years. Again, using China as an example. Uh, in 1840, Christians in the Western world, they began to identify China as the, the greatest place uh, for them to start sharing the good news of the gospel, the most fertile soil, if you will, for the gospel uh, to be heard. And at that time, in 1840, there were 250,000 Christians in China. And so from 1840 to 1940, it exploded from 250,000 to 500,000 Christians. It doubled in size in 100 years. And yet, if you know your history well, you know that nine years later, in 1949, there was a communist revolution. And in 1949, every single missionary was deported or worse, And the entire Western Christian world began to ask this question. God, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow this to take place? We saw the fruit of ministry. We saw growth. We saw people coming to know Jesus. And yet for those who knew Jesus' prayer well their continued anthem was Lord hallowed be your name your kingdom come you are sovereign on your throne we ask that you would allow this circumstance to lead your people in such a way that more people would be drawn to faith and now 70 years later guess how many Christians there are in China it's not from 500,000 to a million it's not 2 million or 5 million or 10 million or 20 million Or 30, or 40, or 50, or 60, or 70, or 80, or 90, but 100 million. Christians in China today, because by the will of God, the prayer of God's people was use whatever circumstances necessary for more people to be drawn to yourself, and even during that regime that most people would say, what a tragedy, what a travesty, even that God used for his purposes and for his glory, and that we can be sure of that's why we can say Lord your kingdom come your will be done in this pandemic in our lives in what we're experiencing even if we look at our circumstances and we say God I don't understand it what we can trust in is that God is sovereign he's in control and we in that moment allow our prayer to be Lord use these circumstances to bring your kingdom come allow that to be your prayer every single day the next resolution I want to encourage you to make is this I will believe that today I have everything that I need for today and this is a tough one but you know what for most of us there is a blessing in disguise when it comes to COVID-19 and it is this this might be the first time in our life where we have been forced to literally take things one day at a time. How many of us are planning a trip to travel all around Europe for the next couple of months? Of course not. No one's doing that. We are literally taking it one day at a time, not because we want to, but because we have to. And yet Jesus says there's a unique spiritual benefit for those of us who say, I am going to trust in God's guidance for today and leave tomorrow for itself. That God gives me strength for today and hope for tomorrow. That ought to be the pattern of our lives. Jesus says as much in Matthew 6, verse 33. He says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so here's the progression. When we spend time daily with God, we experience greater intimacy with him. And when we have greater intimacy with God, then we learn more about the attributes and the trustworthiness and the power and the glory of God. And so what that means is when we experience circumstances in our life that we don't fully understand on account of knowing God's attributes, we can continue to trust in him when we look before us and we say, I don't understand what's happening in front of me but I trust in the trustworthiness of God and that is why I can say give me strength today and give me hope for tomorrow give me strength for today and give me hope for tomorrow you know that's my my wife's favorite song the anthem of this song goes this way strength for today bright hope for tomorrow morning by morning new mercies I see all I have needed your hand has provided great is your faithfulness Lord unto me remember what i shared with you at the start the one thing that this pandemic has revealed to us at this time is that control is an illusion the vast majority of us we like to think that we have control of our lives and yet what this has revealed to us is something that's always been there that's never been the case we don't have control but god does and what a deep assurance that is because once we realize that the, our God who has our best intentions in mind, who is all-powerful and is preparing a place for us at the end of all time, when he is in control, then we can put our trust in him. But it all starts with knowing who he is and how he relates to us. That's, that ought to be the anthem of our hearts So call out to him. Say, Lord, I need you. I need your comfort. I I need your security. I need your peace. I need you to guide me today. I need you to give me strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Here's the fifth one. I will make repentance a daily choice. This is what we read in verse four when it says, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You know, in Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 7, there's a story in which King Solomon and the entire nation of Israel and especially the entire known world is enduring a plague, a pandemic. And what we learn from Solomon, what we learn from God through Solomon, is he says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What that means is, in a time like this in which our community, our nation, our world is being shaken to its foundations, when the world is being flipped upside down, God calls the church to stand into that gap and to start praying. Each and every day to start praying. It is the most important thing that we can do as the people of God. To pray for deliverance? Yes. To pray for healing? Yes. But also to pray that God would bring us to our knees in humility. That ought to be the prayer of God's people. Use this situation, this circumstance, to bring us to our knees. Where we would acknowledge and recognize that God is the one to whom we owe our lives and the one to whom we owe all glory. And so it ought to be our prayer. Lord, my prayer is that that I would turn in repentance each and every day and that I would follow you I already shared this with you, but I want to share John Piper's quote with you one more time. What what does he say? He says, Lord, cause your word to be believed. Yes, of course. But also, cause your displeasure with sin to be feared. Cause your commandments to be obeyed and, and cause yourself to be glorified. Lord, bring us to our knees. That ought to be the prayer of God's people. Lord, bring us to our knees. It's a daily choice, friends, that we should pray yes for an end to this, we ought to be praying for those who are on the front lines, for, for medical workers or anyone who's sick, for protection and for healing, all those things we ought to be praying for. For God to heal our land, yes, but most of all, we ought to pray for a supernatural awakening. That God would open the eyes of his people, that we would be drawn to him, that we would humble ourselves before the Lord and that we would fall down on our face and say, you are God's. And so my hope for us as a Gateway family is that that we would see that God is still at work in this place now more than ever. It doesn't mean that, that God has turned his back for even a single moment, but he's in this place. And we say, Lord, use this time to bring humility and repentance in my life, in my family's life, in my community's life, and in the world." And then the sixth and final resolution I want to encourage us to make is this In prayer, I will fight against the schemes of the evil one. Again, the end of verse 4 says this And lead us not into temptation. We shouldn't be surprised that Satan does some of his best work while we are feeling isolated. While Uh, Scripture says to us that our enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and to destroy and that is the reason why we've taken such an aggressive stance to reach out to you the gateway family on an ongoing basis because we know that satan seeks to do some of his best work at this time that is why care team members life group leaders elders pastors we're reaching out to you on an ongoing basis and that's why we're encouraging you to embrace them when they call to pray with them to encourage them to thank them because in that way even though we're socially isolated spiritually we are United. But the second thing that we also see is that Satan also does this by trying to make us stingy instead of generous, or by making us view others as threats rather than people who are worthy of God's compassion, made in the image and the likeness of God. And so we also know at this time that we are called to stand in that gap and to help others who are feeling socially isolated. That's the calling of our lives. And the second thing that we, I also want to highlight here that I find so fascinating is that this prayer, it's not an individual prayer. You, you know, in the Caruthers House, we pray the Lord's Prayer uh, almost every single day for, after supper. Um, and, and yet one of the things that only dawned on me recently is that the entire prayer is in plural form. Did you notice that? I mean, look at it one more time. It says this, Our Father, give us this day Our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. So, what is Jesus saying here? He's reminding us that that we're not alone. It's a reminder that even when we are physically separated, we're still the church. Because the church isn't a building, it's the people of God, it's the gathered people of God in the name of the Holy Spirit. Every time we pray, we invoke our unity with God and with one another. What a powerful reminder that can be when we live into this. This is what unites us. This is why our prayers are plural. This is why we can have the the utmost confidence in the midst of COVID 19 because we know that the God that we serve has overcome the grave. We have the hope of the resurrection, we know how the story ends. And so we pray in earnest that others would know this as well. You see, the more time we spend with our Heavenly Father, the more confident we can be of his love. And the more confident we are of his love, the more assured we can be of his promises. It's so amazing to me. And so go to him. Pray to him. Put your trust in him. My hope and prayer for us as a Gateway family is that we would make these resolutions, that we would seek to spend time with our Heavenly Father every single day moving forward, that this would be the anthem of our hearts. And so as we close, I thought it would be fitting for us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I know that Matthew 6 is a little more familiar than Luke 11, and so we'll be praying that Lord's Prayer together. And uh, if you know it, you can pray along with me. If you don't, you can sit and listen. But this is the prayer of God's people. Would you join me? We pray together, saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people say together, amen. Amen. Have a great week.